Hello everybody, namaste. We are again in another session of the podcast of Manish Vyas, where he's sharing with us uh, different traditions, knowledge, sciences uh, from the culture of India. Today we are going to talk about retreats. Uh, retreats are also uh, one of the concepts that got very much popular here in the West. And there's, uh, together with yoga and other activities, there's a big, big range of retreats, of yoga, meditation, and all kinds of retreats that you can see that are inspired in the culture of India that are being offered by different people in the West. And, uh, well, Manish has uh, had a very long experience in what is related to retreats and particularly meditation retreats where we work on the inner self, on the inner growth. He personally has started uh, participating in these retreats in India since 1992. That would be about 30 years. So we're going to go directly to interview him about this subject, which sometimes it is understood in different ways. Namaste Manish. Namaste. It would be great if you could share a little bit about your experience and your understanding on this subject as you have been part of this phenomenon for a big part of your life. Yes, uh, this journey of uh, meditation retreats started sincerely in 1992, as you mentioned. I remember I went to one of my first 10-day intensive somewhere in the northwest of India in mountains. Coincidentally, where Osho also had conducted some of his first meditation retreats in the late 60s and early 70s. This 10-day retreat was with my spiritual master, Gurudev. It was my first experience with this kind of intensive uh, retreat. Uh, Earlier in my childhood, or sometimes when I was a little bit in my teenage days, every now and then I became part of two or three day meditation retreats in India. So this 10-day was a very, very new phenomenon. And uh, it totally took me by surprise from day one that how, how condensed it was, how intense it was. Gurudev was masterful in organizing the day's program in such a way that the mind would not get much scope to be distracted. The day would start at six o'clock with one of Osho's most well-known meditation technique called dynamic meditation. And if some of you may know, it is truly, truly dynamic. 
it can wake up even a dead man from his grave it is so energetic and active and from 6 o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock in the night the days used to be so packed that there was hardly any gap between two schedules i remember the longest gap was barely one and a half hour at 12 o'clock for lunch and little rest and otherwise the sessions were pretty close to each other with a little break but i could see that in spite of this days being so packed the body would not feel exhausted the mind would not feel exhausted on the contrary it was very easy to wake up in the morning at 5 to have our first chai and then go to the meditation and even at 10 o'clock in the night the whole system would feel very very energetic fresh and at the same time very very peaceful and relaxed also so i understood that you know a meditation retreat is not necessarily a phenomenon of relaxation but really to awaken the energy to let the energies rise and then to stabilize the energy uh it of course it took me years and years and almost 20 30 retreats to understand this mechanism how gurudev was designing this whole day in a way that all these three processes would be initiated and uh goes wonderfully for the benefit of a seeker so as i was saying that we used to be like 50 60 100 people in this retreat but uh, almost everyone would be attending every session though it was not compulsory for everyone and it was not a must that everyone should attend every session but the way it was designed and programmed not a single person would want to miss any of the sessions and they would be present in every session so that the group energy was also very indirectly and silently strong and intense and there was no leakage of energy as such yes uh, here in the west for example we see most of the time that uh, retreats are of very small duration they are almost advertised as a small vacation in some paradisiac beach or some beautiful place and as i can see when i google all these retreats they are mostly focusing on relaxation on maybe having a little fun relaxed time sort of a holiday uh, sometimes i would say almost in disguise of yoga and spirituality and uh, also f- getting some opinions from retreats participants for them it was very important to have a place also to meet others to socialize to um, to have a community so maybe about this could you talk a little bit about the purpose of a meditation retreat from the point of view of a participant i think many times it is believed that 
meditation is to relax your body and mind and to some extent it is right and it is okay but the real as i understood from my spiritual masters meditation is inquiring into the true nature of the self meditation is also a process to see things as they are meditation is a process where we see false as false so that we can drop the old belief systems all the concepts and dogmas and philosophies and ideas and ideologies that we have we may have been taught in our childhood by the education system or the societies or the religion or the families the social structure and uh, to me this is what i would call kind of a skin peeling process it is almost like how a snake has to shed his old skin and uh, it requires a certain strength certain persistence certain sincerity certain commitment to really dig deeper and expose yourself to this what we call the dark night of the soul sometime and uh, at the same time be assured that there is an end to the darkness but sometimes some things have to be faced second thing is that when in a retreat a certain intensity is kept in the day's program then it doesn't let the mind wander anywhere then the focus is very clear straightforward precise you see every time when i attended my masters retreats whether it was 10 day or sometimes even 40 days and there would be between 60 to 80 people from all around the world the very first question he would ask is why are you here so in that way he was helping all the people to make very clear what is their intention to be in this place for this period of time especially a 40 day retreat is no joke so if somebody has decided to dedicate 40 days to this process he or she should be absolutely clear why they are there and uh, if there are any misunderstandings about it then they can be clarified from day one so that those 10 days or 40 days or whatever that time is can be dedicated fully to that process of the self discovery regarding what you're saying now that's very interesting and can i ask you for example what would be the ideal answer to the question why am i here in this retreat why i came here 
Osho used to say that meditation is a luxury. So one moves to the process of meditation only when one discovers that there is something lacking in the rest of the dimensions of life. Whatever you are doing, yes, you may be doing to for your survival and for the fulfillment of certain desires and whether the desires are fulfilled or not fulfilled but there is still something lacking something is missing and uh, one moves to the process of meditation to discover what is that void what is that vacuum and how this vacuum can be filled by not moving out but moving in and that is the first acknowledgement before one steps into the journey of meditation. So if one, when one starts at the beginning of the retreat, when the master would ask you why you are here, at least a certain thought process is stimulated. And uh, then, of course, when uh, I remember that when people would give some different answers on day one, to Gurudev that okay I'm here because of this and I'm because of that and you know there would be a very interesting interaction between him and the people the participants and already there the master would be clarifying that okay maybe you are here for so-and-so desire or for but how some of these ideas are even false and why don't you drop it from day one so you can imagine that if a certain clarity is achieved already at the beginning of a retreat, then the rest of the time which you are dedicating in this retreat will be a little less distracted. It will be more focused and all the time and energy that you are investing will eventually bring something it will bring you something that you can carry back home and which you can continue to practice and live in your day-to-day -day life so that's why i think it's important that this question why you're here and as you mentioned in your question that many times and i've seen that sometimes in india as well as but many times here i also see that uh, people want to become friends and interact with each other and socialize and uh, exchange phone numbers and you know messages and uh, or hang out this hangout word is very very typical and uh, see one has to understand that when you go to a retreat you are wanting to be part of something which you are not doing in your day-to-day -day life so it is important that one realizes that and so that one is ready to do something else which one is not doing in their routine day-to-day -day unconscious manner of way of living. Being part of a retreat is committing yourself to consciousness, committing yourself to awareness, committing yourself to a process where you are going to get out of the routine habits the unconscious habits and develop a certain conscious aware approach 
in your life so that the same element can be brought back when you finish the retreat if you want to do the same things which you are doing in your day-to-day -day life in the outside then really there is no point to go to a retreat so i remember like in my retreats with gurudev though the 10 day retreats were normal retreats they were not silent retreats but he would humbly suggest the people that since you are here for 10 days why don't you talk less why don't you gossip less why don't you just you know be with yourself as much as possible then you will really make the most of your time money and energy that you are investing in this uh, time uh, this place we have been talking mostly now about the attitude required in a participant not to go to a retreat for the wrong reasons no because there's a lot out there to do for relaxing and for socializing and you know you can go to a cruise ship you can go uh, to different to the south of italy to the south of spain and to canaries islands you will find wonderful places but not necessarily means that you are doing a meditation retreat so this distinction for the participant of what he's going to do he or she is going to do is very important now i would like to ask something from the point of view of the conductor not from the participant this time i mean okay the participant has to be aware how he chooses a retreat how he chooses a conductor but Uh, what I have been seeing uh, since I have been living in Europe um, and also in the US before is that when you look many times at the retreat leaders, you see many people who sometimes even used to work in the, corp in the corporate world. Let's say they were the top manager of, of a big company or something and suddenly they dropped everything and they leave because they saw another way of doing business in another way, maybe more independent, more freely. So they went to the business of yoga and retreat. And sometimes they just go maybe to India to make a crash course in <clears throat> pranayama or yoga. And they, or they read some book about, they don't even go to India many times. They just read some books about techniques uh, from the east for relaxation and you know they make a package of what they are going to share with the participants so they created a business of retreats and they conduct themselves these activities uh, gathering participants many times through massive google advertising and these kind of things So in what way is important the state of being and background of the retreat conductor and how can the participant not fall into the wrong places? You know, as I said, for that it's better to go to, to the south of Spain and have a good time, but not in the thought of going to a spiritual awakening activity. Well, uh, since I've been living here since last three, four years, I have seen some of these phenomenon. Sometimes I was even invited by some of these corporate kind of people in their spiritual retreats. So I don't want to say much about what they do, how they do, why they do. I think the responsibility lies on the participant, what they really want. 
and that is why that question comes again why you are here so a participant a seeker has to be really really clear what they really want because there is all kind of supplies out there and according to your desire according to your need you will find that uh, i remember that when uh, gurudev conducted his first 40 day retreat nobody believed that if anyone would even come to this retreat 40 days you know even 10 days was a little bit of a tough decision for people to make but when 60 people from all around the world ended up in this first 40 day retreat i remember gurudev told us that you are here because you are destined to be here and you know when one takes a decision to go to something like that he or she must be really clear why they are cutting off from the rest of the world for such a long time to dedicate this time for their own growth for their own self discovery so you know that that describes also the 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 quest or the thirst that those people would have had who ended up in such a phenomenon so i think coming back to it's the responsibility of the seeker or the participant that he or she should be really clear that what they really want to understand what they really want to arrive at and then accordingly they can look around and choose and at the same time what happens sometimes is that sometimes participants have a certain expectations when they go to a retreat because there is always a background of a previous experience so i remember when people were coming to gurudev's retreats and now when a, you know people come to the retreats that we organize that it somehow does not fit in their expectations because there is a certain preconceived ideas so it takes them a while to get into the flow and uh, so it's also important that once you once you kind of find something like that then once you arrive there better to drop your ideas and expectations for at least those days and allow the process to work on yourself and then you will see the magic if nothing happens there is nothing to lose really you know if you are with a sincere teacher he or she will be always able to contribute something or the other for your life but it is always good to also drop these expectations and be totally available to what the process has to offer yes what you're saying is really true um i have been to a 40 day meditation retreat in india uh, a few years ago and what i observed uh, there amongst the participants was that everyone was simply interested in his or her own process and growth you know it was like very individual very personal no one was really interested in using the devices 
or the techniques used in this retreat to help others or or to take this tool to make money or a living or to say okay I'm when I finish this retreat I will I will make a course about the pranayama that I learned you know things like that and also I was seeing that uh, we were at least 50 people in that retreat and not even one person even talked about wanting a certificate of any kind after finishing this activity and contrary to that I was observing that many people uh, in the West attend uh, these retreats and and right away they want to get something out of it get something I mean some benefit some material use some uh, some objective use of it so that many times then afterwards as I said they would use it in their work or they would uh, try to say oh now I'm ready to help others or get some recognition in some way no so some kind of a hidden agenda I would call it uh, that is mixed up with the real purpose of a retreat which is totally committed to one's own growth so I don't know since you have been in both sides in the east that it is a little more earnest in that way as I have seen the participation of this retreat and you have also been in the scene here in the West meaning when we say in the West we are talking about those ones that bring the techniques from India no uh, there are other kinds of retreats that we cannot talk about because we don't know we are talking about those retreats that are uh, using specifically yoga, meditation from India, pranayama, mantra, and Advet Vedanta, and all these subjects that clearly come from India. So, what do you think when you see this? That right away there is a need to use this as in a materialistic way and to make a profit out of it. I think in in that kind of scenario the participant will be least benefited if the outlook in participating in a retreat is to kind of gain some kind of device that you want to start selling and helping others it is uh, lacking that sincerity in the participant or a seeker because the whole motive is different you see when since 1992 i was almost twice a year there used to be 10 day meditation retreats and then every year a 40 day meditation retreat i almost lost the count of number of the retreats i attended but i remember that including me all the people who used to be there they were there for simply their love for meditation, for their own growth, for understanding and for their devotion and love for Gurudev. In all this there was nowhere there is kind of this indirect agenda that somebody wants to pick up a few goodies from here and start selling somewhere else. Personally, from my perspective, I was always uh, a participant in the retreat 
and at some point gurudev asked me to you know assist in other areas of the retreat slowly slowly so that he could be relieved of some duties i was simply following the instructions 22 years later after having gone through those processes for the first time he suggested me that okay now you go and conduct this retreat in this place and i was shocked i would never expected that he would tell me to do that also i was frankly i was truly satisfied and happy with what my duties were and whenever i got the chance to close the eyes and meditate yes so when that happened 22 years later it totally came as a surprise because i never thought about having that kind of what we would call an opportunity to become a meditation facilitator or a retreat conductor or something but for some reason it came from him and even to that i remember i said no in the beginning but years later i kind of acted on his suggestion and advice and started doing the retreats and all that time i kind of felt him and his love and his guidance supporting me from behind so and during all these years there was never a demand or a desire to have some kind of recognition from him or some kind of certificate which i find ridiculous that people would ask for a some kind of certificate after a 3 day retreat and uh, you know coming from india it's it is unthinkable uh this is something which is applied in many fields in music in arts in uh, probably in ayurveda and many other areas and especially if you are really learning from what we call a guru meditation also spirituality all these amazing ancient sciences never never a student would ask that okay so now i have been with you for 10 years can you give me some kind of certificate so that i can hang it on my wall <laughs> uh, if ever that happens i think the guru will basically throw out the student because certificate is not something which comes in a physical form and some kind of you know thing that you can hang on the wall you know a music teacher would tell the student maybe after 10 years or 20 years of learning that okay now you are ready to go on the stage and perform and in one some way that is a certificate that is a certain approval and we call it a blessing we don't call it a certificate we call it that okay now my guru has allowed to for me to perform but that doesn't mean that okay i have become maestro because i know that in my first performance my guru will be sitting there in the audience and even if throughout the concert if i can see like a little bit uh feeling of praise and joy in his eyes then i would f- feel happy that okay at least i reached to that stage where uh you know 
the teacher has felt that yes some moments were really good so in that way asking for certificate or some kind of recognition is invalid second thing is that this idea of helping the others is very dangerous i will tell you a story of ramana maharshi a very wise sage saint enlightened being who was in india died in the sometime in the 1950s and he was a very simple man living in his hut and a few people around him in south india uh, this was the time during the world war and somebody from the west went to him and asked him that what are you doing about this situation that the world is going through how are you helping it and raman marshi as i know is reported to have said that i am helping you cannot see it and person asked but how are you helping he said i am helping by just being being in the self or being the self but you cannot see it because your idea of helping and this and that it is very gross and only what appears in front of your eyes would convince you that some help is being done so you will not see how my simply being is helping so this helping the others is a very strange idea and one should be aware that it is a very very subtle ego trip because unless unless one has truly helped one own self up to even up to a certain extent one is actually not qualified to help the others so and this whole process of what we call helping the others is a very automatic process it is not like okay it's my mission no you know like how it happened in my life spontaneously after 22 25 years suddenly guru they say okay now you start conducting the retreats and even now that is happening the retreats are happening and small workshops frankly i never see myself as helping anybody at the most i see that okay i have been blessed and gifted by my masters with a certain profound wisdoms and understandings and techniques and all i want to do is to kind of pass it on to people so that however in whatever way it has helped me and so many other people around him maybe it would benefit them but there is no idea that i am doing this or i want to help others really no that is i don't want to be responsible for that i'm not yet at that stage a guru is at that stage where he takes the responsibility of a student and even a guru a true guru a true wise man a true enlightened man would not carry this idea that i am helping the other the help is happening it is coming from somewhere and it is reaching somewhere but there is no doer as such there wow that was really so interesting i think that you bring this energy from the east this energy from india which which i don't know just to define it in in one word it would seem that people there have much more 
patience, you know, they they just go to a retreat without expectations and well, if something happens, something happens. Otherwise, it was also great and a lot of gratitude and well, maybe it is time that here we not only bring these uh, techniques uh, and tools from India, uh, but we also know what is the right attitude to apply them and practice them. No? This is a little bit the message that I see. Yeah, I see that in that way, there are many people who are interested in that kind of depth, in that kind of sincere approach to meditation, dedicated. And uh, every year that we do one or two retreats a year, somehow only that quality of people end up in these retreats and and, and the journey becomes very beautiful, simple, yet profound. And they carry back something. So the message is to those kind of people that, yes, you know, if you have that kind of sincere approach, you will always find a sincere offering from somebody. So it's very important that you become very clear what you want. If you want the shallow that will be available too. And if you want something really deep, profound, then that is also available. The most important thing is your own, your own clarity of your wish, your desire, your necessity. Well, thank you very much, Manish, for sharing all these thoughts and all this understanding with us. And well, we are looking forward to your next podcast in a week and uh, about subjects from India and all these wonderful, incredible, priceless traditions. Thank you. Aham Brahmasmi.